This podcast is made available for free globally. That is only possible through my relationships with advertising partners. If you would like to access an ad-free version of Practical Stoicism, go to stoicismpod.com forward slash members to learn more. I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which from personal experience I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often, so stop leaving sales on the table. Switch your business to Shopify today and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Seed DSO-1 is a daily symbiotic, which is a probiotic and prebiotic formulated to provide benefits for gut immune function and whole body health. I take it every morning before I eat, which is when it works the best, and I have noticed a big difference in my digestion, regularity, and even my skin. It's nice that this benefit comes in a small package that needs no refrigeration and really is just a couple of simple, small pills. You also get this cool little travel vial in case you're traveling, so you don't have to stuff a bunch of loose pills in your pocket, which is nice. It's also nice that this product is so rigorously tested from a scientific perspective, which makes seeds probiotic research, development, and innovation programs a lot more trustworthy. So trust your gut health to Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com forward slash practical and use code 25practical to get 25% off of your first month. That's 25% off of your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com forward slash practical with the code 25 practical. Welcome back for Captain Glad you are here. Boy, oh boy, did I get an earful about how Marcus really is a good teacher or was a good teacher or would be if he were still alive a good teacher after last week's or I should say after the last most recent meditation episode. So with that feedback, which was mixed, I did get a lot of agreement, but I also got a significant amount of disagreement. With that feedback, I listened, I read some more, and I considered. Here's what I ended at. And then I'll just leave the topic alone and we can agree to disagree if we still do. Marcus may have been well enough informed as a Stoic to be a great teacher of Stoicism in his time. Perhaps he's more well studied than I gave him credit for. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm not a historian. I'm saying I'm willing to accept that it is if it is. However, even if this were the case in Marcus's lifetime, and this is kind of the point I was trying to make, and I guess I didn't make it very well, it is not the case now, 
as all we have from Marcus is his meditations, meaning we consume all of Marcus's knowledge, regardless of what it may have been outside of this particular work. We consume it from meditations. And meditations is not a great teaching text because it is a diary. So perhaps Marcus Aurelius was in fact a sage. However, reading meditations would not provide to you a education from a sage because of the form the work takes. It's a diary. If you want to enjoy Stoic writing as a leisure activity or as a reminder of what great thinkers or what a great thinker Marcus may have been or what great thinkers the ancient Stoics may have been or how practical the advice is, Marcus is great to read. But I maintain that he's not a great teacher in this form because this isn't a teaching text. That is one of the reasons I read the meditations and then interpret them for you best I can, because otherwise they're just these sort of short, quippy statements or instructions which assume your knowledge of Stoicism because they assume Marcus's understanding of Stoicism because this is Marcus's diary. So when Marcus writes something in his diary, he's writing it with the wealth, perhaps, of understanding that he had of Stoicism. And so there are things he doesn't need to explain to himself, thereby there are things he does not need to explain to you. So as a reader of this work, if you know everything Marcus knows, then you consume the content in the same way that Marcus did. But if you don't, then you are, in a sense, learning algebra without knowing multiplication, division, subtraction, or addition, which maybe you could figure out, but would leave you with a lot of holes. And that's kind of my point. So I do want you to enjoy Marcus. I enjoy Marcus, but I don't want you to let him be the only thing you read. That is really the point, that if you're trying to learn Stoicism, capital S, deep, deeply, I should say. You cannot take Marcus as a particularly good source for learning. And if you still disagree with me, that is okay. But that's how I feel. Now, this week's meditation is the fourth from book five, and I actually love it. It reads, I walk in nature's way until I shall lie down and rest, breathing my last in, this from which I draw my daily breath and lying down on this from which my father drew his vital seed, my mother her blood, my nurse her milk, from which, for so many years, I am fed and watered day by day, which bears my footstep and my misusing it for so many purposes. In Stoicism, it all comes down to living in alignment with nature, and then we work forwards from that goal determine what it means for a human being to live in accordance to their nature and thereby live according to nature because, and this might be something we haven't talked about before, nature's nature is pure reason and rationale. Nature is rational. So to live in accordance with nature is to live in accordance with our own nature. So if nature's nature is to be rational, a human's nature is to be rational, to serve the cosmopolis, to become a flourishing human being. Now, that nature is not the same as a dog's nature. A dog can live according to nature, but it doesn't look the same. I don't know if I've ever made that distinction before, but I'm making it now. We're not necessarily living according to nature's nature. We're living according to our nature because living according to our nature is living according to nature. Returning to the meditation from nature, Marcus's father drew his seed, his mother, her blood, his nurse, her milk, which she nursed Marcus with. And also from nature, 
comes all the things that Marcus is enabled to do. Not the things he does, not the actions, mind you, but the ability to do them. The ability for him to misuse his body as an opportunity provided to him by nature. His body, in fact, comes from nature, on loan from the universe, so to speak. All of that is derived from nature. I think as contemporary people, we have a tendency not to give too much weight to the underpinning bits of what Marcus is talking about here. And I think we sell ourselves short by doing this, or rather by not doing this. There's a reverence here for the divine. And that word divine, which is, you know, an obnoxious one to a lot of we contemporary people, because it smacks of this mystical, magical, anti-science, what some of us might think of as nonsense. And so I thought it might be useful here to share the primary definition of the word divine. Here it is. Of, relating to, or proceeding directly from God or a God. So keep that definition in mind because now I want to talk about love, which may seem unconnected, but I promise I'm going to make a point. Love is, depending on who you ask, either an indescribable feeling of connection to another person or a bunch of chemicals and pheromones to which we dedicate far too much prose and poetry. Those are basically the two ways of looking at it. Love is magic or love is biology that is really too heavily personified and made metaphorical. However, when you and your partner are cuddling in bed, what makes that special to you in that moment? And how do you enjoy it in that moment? That feeling of love, of belonging, or of passion. It may well be pheromones and chemicals, but I would ask you what commitment you can make to love if you believe it is only those things. Are you making love to chemicals, to pheromones? Do you deconstruct your partner's body into nerves and cells and synapses as you contemplate your feelings for them? Or do you see them as this amalgamation of things that once put together represent a whole that is both greater and apart from its parts? Certainly you don't see your wife or your husband or partner or cat or dog as a mass of living tissue. For if you did, how could you feel anything towards them really? So there's something about love, regardless of its scientific or biological underpinnings, that begs us to stop thinking and visualizing in such cold and factual ways and to start getting lost in the quote-unquote magic of the outcome of these biological processes. I think there's something similar about the idea of the divine, and I've touched on it a little bit before, but maybe I'll get the opportunity here to flesh it out a little more now. We can look at the universe as what it is, or what our best scientists suggest it is, a sort of fabric composed of differently vibrating strings that, depending on the frequency of those vibrations, generate different bits at the quantum level, which extrapolates up to the macro level, which is what I believe string theory proposes. Of course, I'm not a physicist, so I might be smearing some of the details there, but I think that's the gist. The idea that the most indivisible bits of reality, so to speak, are tiny vibrating strings and from those vibrations are created everything else. I actually tried to capture this in the opening to a book I've been writing for a number of years. Uh, it's a high fantasy novel. I don't know that I've shared it publicly too frequently. It's probably news to you that I would be writing something like that. But I'm going to read what I think, if I'm remembering correctly, is the opening line to 
it's all a mess at this point, but I think this is the opening line to the first chapter. And you may see some similarities between what I'm writing and how I'm thinking about this. In the beginning, there was only undulating darkness, and it sloshed back and forth, slapping against its own crests and breaks, lapping upon the shores of nothing and everything, for nothing was everything there was. Then the face of Rhone, dark and beautiful, somehow darker than even the nothing through which it pressed, broke the surface of that dark sea and spoke. She spoke. And those first words, the first words ever spoken, cut tunnels through the darkness and left in their wake vibrating columns of color from which resonated all the hidden thoughts of her words. And those thoughts became all the things which Rome thought should have form, the land, the seas, the plants and the animals, the laws, and finally, the nine keepers. Now, the universe may well be nothing but the result of tiny strings vibrating. And that would be amazing in its own right, but how could someone feel particularly connected to such a cold and unimaginative understanding of what it means to be a universe, or to be one of the resulting forms of those vibrating strings? Am I a vibrating string, or am I, as Carl Sagan said, star stuff? Just a change in language that simple makes it more, dare I say, divine. I'm a vibrating string is nothing like I'm a child of the stars, is it? We contemporary Stoics, who find ourselves pulled more strongly to the ideas of the ancient Stoics, so we traditional Stoics is the label I guess we've kind of given ourselves, speak of the universe as if it is God. And for a while now, I've wondered what issue other Stoics, contemporary or modern Stoics, is the label that we're talking about here, take with this. Certainly a modern Stoic recognizes their wife or husband or partner or pet to be literally nothing more than a collection of tissue, but they don't conceptualize their partners in this way, do they? No one does, of course. And of course, I, as a traditional Stoic, could absolutely divide the universe down into individual, unimpressive, unromantic processes that explain the universe as nothing more than the necessary expression of those cold and unconscious processes. But how much reverence can I feel for this incredible thing that is that expression, all of nature, if I explain the expression down to the bits, if there are no metaphors, if there are no gods? if there is nothing creative or maybe even fantastical or fictional about the way we think about and interpret the world around us? How can I have reverence for equations alone or facts alone? And that brings me, I guess, to my point, which I think I'm going to deliver by asking a question or making an analogy. I don't know what this is, but bear with me. In telling time, is it more useful to know that the division of time into years, months, days, hours, minutes, and seconds is a human fiction that no more truthfully expresses the concept of time than do words truthfully express the concept of music? Or is it more useful to buy a watch, learn to read it, and buy into this great human hoax of time as we know it? Is it more useful to deny time, to take a contrarian position on, again, the arbitrary nature of time and our understanding and framing of it, or buy a watch 
and so relative to the divine, is it more useful to deny the divine and to instead see the universe as this orchestra of processes or to accept that orchestra as being divine in and of itself? Is the universe a mathematical result or is the universe God? Are we a mathematical result or are we an expression of God? I think there's a meaning, an appreciation, and a reverence you can find in your life if you view the universe as God and yourself as a child of it. A little bit of metaphor, a little bit of poetry, a little bit of fiction, perhaps. I think it's much harder to do this if you envision yourself as the product of mathematical equations or accidental chaos, something like this. This is why I choose to believe in the Stoic concept of God, because it means that I can see myself as part of something truly worthy of my reverence, admiration, and respect. It personifies the meaning and purpose of life. And as a human being, I feel I need that. And I think a lot of people do. I think it's unfortunate that those metaphors have been taken to extreme degrees that have done far more damage than they have helped in the history of humankind. However, I don't like the idea of throwing the baby out with the bathwater in this case. I don't think there's any such thing as stoic extremism. And maybe that's why I'm so comfortable with what I've just said. Anyway, this episode has been a bit freewheeling, so I'm wondering what you thought of it. You can share your thoughts in our episode follow-up channel in the Discord community if you would like. I'd love to see you there. And that is all I've got for you today. I hope you enjoyed it. And until next time, take care. Mm-hmm.